So, yeah. All right. So what we've been talking about is this bracha, Oter Yisrael B'Sifara. The Hashem crowns Israel with Tifara. is like beautiful glory. And the question is, what is that? So the Gemara says that this is the bracha that we say when we put on our head covering. So to either, you know, a hat, a turban, the equivalent for a woman is, is a shaitel. So we, nowadays the custom is we make all these brachos when we daven all at once. But the Gemara originally described like when a person wakes up or sees the daylight, then you say the first bracha. When you take a step, you say the bracha for being able to walk. When you put your feet on the ground, that the ground is stable. And when you cover your head, that you say this bracha, Oter Yisrael B'Sifara. So we talked about that a bit, and the idea that the head covering, which could be the hat, could be tefillin, could be this is a few different opinions, and they're all very closely related to each other, really. Um, one thing it does is it, by covering the top, hello, good morning, we are also kind of saying our whole body is being made aware that our body has kedusha and that our body is holy and it's dedicated to serving Hashem. It's also expressive of our role. So just like a Kohen wears special clothing, including a turban, including a hat. So while the Kohen is wearing the clothing, it keeps his mind on his avoda. He has to stay focused for hours and hours and hours on what am I doing and what's the goal. And the clothing helps do that. When you're wearing special clothing for a certain occasion, it, it puts you more in sync with that. Um, we mentioned Rav Avigdor Miller, who talked about that the clothing reminds you of who you are, and it expresses, I'm wearing these clothes, and I'm saying that I am a loyal worker for God. I have my avoda clothes on, just like a Kohen has his avoda clothes on. And he took it another step. That was Musser number one, was how do we think about ourselves? You know, when we think about ourselves, do I matter? Well, if I'm wearing something special, right, that I'm needed for the job, then yeah, I do matter. I've been chosen for the job. It also shows my readiness for the job. But also, when I look at someone else, and I definitely need this Musser, right? When I look at someone else and I see that they're dressed in a way that says, I am, co- I cover my head. I cover my head. A covering your head is an expression of Yerushalayim, that God is over you, right? Rav Huna wouldn't walk even for Amos because he felt the Shrina over him. He doesn't want to lose that sense. That's actually number, oh, they're numbered in Hebrew. Hey, so Rav Huna, Breda Rav Yoshua, Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, Lomasage Arba Amos Begilui Rosh. He wouldn't walk even like eight feet, let's say, with his head uncovered. Amar Shrina Lamalami Roshi, because the Shrina is over my head. This is an awareness of that and also an expression of it that I'm saying to myself and to the world around me that this is who I am. I'm a person who recognizes there's God over me. So that should affect how I see other people too. You know, I could see people, I could be so critical of how they're, I don't know, how they're dressed, how they're acting, how they're, what they think. There's so many ways we could be critical. And it's so important to look at people with a generous eye and to see what's good. There's so many ways I could see the good in people. Why don't I? I don't know. That's my problem. I've got to work on it, right? So this, this Musser from Rav Miller I thought was really very powerful, which is when you see somebody else, you see a person who's wearing a hat, who's wearing a head covering, right? Even if it's not to your standard or your, who knows what, what your community wears, right? What are they saying? They're making a proclamation. I'm Yerei Shemayim. I'm a Kohen for God. That's what I should see when I look at them. Let me start with that. I think it's like actually very helpful. Okay. So I want to continue on this topic. Um, the last thing we spoke about was a statement from Rav Schwab. And Rav Schwab was basing this on some other sources. But, but he also put it together this way, which is that the mitzvahs, when a person does a mitzvah, this is also an expression of a malach. It also creates a malach. It's, it's um, when Hashem sends his will into action in the world, one of the ways he does that is called malach, that he sends an expression of his divine will as a certain force that will have an effect on the world. That's called a malach. Whatever that means exactly, I don't know, but that 
it's possibly more helpful definition of a malach than a fat baby with wings, right? So we could at least work with something. Um, that's a malach. When God's will is performed by us, like let's say God's will is that we should say Kiddush on Shabbos, or God's will is we should we remember the Shabbos to make it holy, which we fulfill through Kiddush, right? So now I'm doing God's will. It was expressed in the Torah. That's why I'm doing it. So I'm performing God's will into the world. So the action that I did also creates a malach because that's also Hashem's will being expressed into the world through that force of my action. And that these malachim surround us and protect us. And when that's so, so this is something we're familiar with. There's a lot of songs about it, but it's in Kriyashma al-Hamita, right? Mimini Michael, on my right side is Michael, the force of, the force of Hashem, the smalach that's called Michael. Umismoli Gavriel, on my left side Gavriel. Umilfanai Uriel, before me Uriel, God's light. Meachorai Rafael, behind me his healing, the malach of healing. Ve'al Roshi, and directly over my head, Shechinas Kel. The closeness of Hashem. The Shechina is related to the word Shachin, like a neighbor. So the, the tangible presence of God is close to me when I'm surrounded by the malachim of my mitzvahs. That the mitzvahs themselves is like a, a sense of encircling, and that this draws down Shechina towards us, closer to us. And also, I've, I mean, I, I looked at the at the footnote that he bases from Rav Hirsch that he mentions where Rav Hirsch talks about when a person behaves with Tumah, that that pushes away the Shechina from over him. So it's a kind of two sides of the same coin, right? When a person is wearing tefillin, for example, the thoughts have to be kept tahor. You can't have thoughts of Tumah while you're wearing tefillin. You could see why, because it's like it would be two competing things going on. They, don't, they can't be reconciled. Either you're drawing down the, the Shechina or you're pushing away the Shechina. Don't put both at the same time. Okay. So when we say the bracha, Oter Yisrael B'Sifarah, that Hashem crowns Israel with glory, what we're thanking Hashem for is that we have mitzvos, and because of them, He crowns us with His glory. He is crowning us with glory. It's Hashem Shechina coming closer to us. And that, that's a, that is through our mitzvos. Okay. So this is where we're going to now pick up the thread and continue. Um, the way Rav Hirsch puts it, he says the effect of Tuma is that Tahara disappears and the divine presence is withdrawn. And then in the footnote, that the withdrawal of divine presence, the withdrawal of the Shechina being close to us, is called Golos Shechina, which is the source of all Golos, really. And the source of Golos is that the Shechina is in Galus. If the Shechina is not in Galus, if the world is a place where the Shechina can be. So our job is always to make the, to make the space around us fitting for the Shechina. That's really our job. That's Va'asuli Mikdash. The commandment to build the Mishkan, or the base of Mikdash, is Va'asuli Mikdash. Make for me a Mikdash, a, a space which is holy, Kedusha, Mikdash. V'shachanti v'socham, and I will dwell in your midst in their midst, that Hashem will, our job is to make the place, whatever place we have some control over that we can build, good morning, is to make that a place that's suitable for the Shekhinah. And in this case, it just, you know, with this bracha of Oter Yisrael B'Sifara, what Rav Schwab is telling us is, we're making the space of ourselves into a space suitable for Shekhinah. That's something we're very, to be very, very grateful. To be able to make our, myself be such a space. And that's hinted to also in that Pasuk. I will dwell in their midst, not in the midst of the Mikdash, in the midst of the people. Yeah? That's what I'm saying. I will dwell in the midst of the people. Okay. I think I get stuck on such an intimacy about this bracha. Yeah. It's very intimate. In general, brachos are. I would say, as a gen it sounds like a funny general rule, but as a general rule, brachos are extremely um, intimate because they're always tied to something we're doing, seeing, feeling. It's like very much my experience of something. And then almost like, you know, you, you put a wedge in there and you start to open it up and 
and to see within the personal experience you're having the greater spiritual truths behind it of that experience. So it does always combine like a, something very immediate with something like very, very far and lofty that didn't seem like you could be touching hold of it. I think that's true of brachos as a whole. Yes, but I also see, because while you were talking, I was thinking about how difficult it is in Los Angeles to close that gap that you yeah. were talking about before. You yeah. Know, to yeah, it is. It's very hard. So... <laughs> One of my kids has a joke. He says, I don't know why, like, I don't know, whatever car it is that's like the from Colo car. He says it should be our car. Why? Because our car has these amazing sun visors. When you, they're like this thick. <laughs> and when you, when you put them down, at least for the driver, you just don't see the billboards, which is like an amazing thing. You know, we also choose what that's streets we flex. drive on. The flex. You have a flex. Yeah, I have it too. I didn't. You never notice? Like, you've got mean, these awesome, awesome notice. sun visor things. They're great. I just always drive with them down. Like, no matter what the weather's like, my visors are down. But the other thing is, we How do choose. I guess I no, because they don't cover the whole thing. Oh, they're just, just like the sun thing. But oh, in a lot of cars, like, I've rented cars where they're this thick. Like, what is that? Five inches, maybe? You put it down, and it, it protects you a little bit. Mine are, like, eight inches wide, which is not why I bought the car, but it's great. You know, um, it's great if you care. It's easy not to notice. I also lived in L.A. a lot of years and never really paid much attention to the billboards unless they were really horrifying. Mm -hmm. I just really wasn't looking at them. But the truth is, screening them out is better for me if I want, you know, I, uh, it's not really our topic, but, you know, when people... I think the way people talk about like guarding your eyes a lot is just so over the top that like it's hard to hear it at all. It's like I don't know, I shouldn't look at this and I shouldn't look at that and I should and it's like I think for a lot of people it's just so not realistic for them. Like okay, I shouldn't read this and I shouldn't watch this and I shouldn't see this and I shouldn't and it's like on and on and on and it's like well, like their eyes like they're a little bit passive and what are you supposed to do? And I think it's more it's more easy to approach it when there's something that you really want, we talked about that, right? The burning yes within. Like, when there's something you really want. So, if you're wearing tefillin, right? Now, we don't encourage people to wear tefillin very long every day, right? Our men don't walk around wearing tefillin all day because it's not realistic to keep the thoughts where they want to be, right? But imagine if you're thinking, like, while I'm wearing my tefillin, I may not be able to really feel the Shekhinah there over me, but I recognize that that's what's happening. That in some way, it's like a magnet, right? And the Shekhinah will be closer to me. So then I don't want to mess that up by thinking about the wrong thing. Okay, so maybe like right before I put on, I don't wear tefillin, right? But right before I'm putting on the tefillin, I might be thinking, you know what, maybe I'm not going to like read that magazine right before I put on tefillin because then those thoughts will still be like moving around in my head. I'll save it for later. Right? You might wish to avoid certain things because it matters to you. Like you don't want the negative consequence of it yourself. Not because someone's telling you don't read this and don't read, right? It can happen like that. Or I don't know. I find that like, I'll give another example that's like down to earth. Okay, I said, I, like, I choose certain streets. I found that there's certain streets when we're driving. Okay, I live in Santa Monica. There actually aren't billboards. I know that sounds, like, unbelievable, but it's actually true. We don't have billboards. I'm not saying that everything is clean, but there's laws. Cities can legislate. But we drive over into Los Angeles, right? And a lot of the streets, especially around here, where there's a very heavy industry, you know, the film industry has, like, a really strong presence. So you get some, pr some stuff that, like, I look at I'm like, I don't think it's because I'm religious that it bothers me that my kids would see these things. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they're very disturbing or frightening or terrifying or explicit, right? So maybe for myself, I would just, like, filter it out. Like, I wouldn't even notice. But it might bother me that a 5-year-old would see it, right? So for that, like, it's worth it to drive up Hauser, than to drive up La Brea for that two miles because, like, what's the difference? Like, would I probably I would automatically take La Brea because La Brea might move a little faster, but the difference between driving up La Brea and driving up Hauser speed-wise, 
is very, very minimal. We're talking about a minute, right. maybe. And sometimes hazards faster anyway. Like, it just depends on the traffic and whatever. So I can make a choice, and I can make that choice not because somebody's telling me, oh, it's from, oh, it, like, it's nothing to do with that. It's more like there's something I want even more, which is to protect my kid. Like, that matters. Like, I want to protect my child. So I can make a big fuss, and I can... I can storm the city and say, we want you to change the rules. Or I can just say, like, quietly, like, no, this is something. I don't want to mess that up. Like, this kid right now is so pure. Like, I don't want to blow that. Right? And I think it's the same, like, that, yeah, there is a sort of, it's intimate in, in more than one way, right? It's spiritually intimate, and it's also intimate, like, physically. <laughs> like, this, the bubble of Kedusha that we carry around sometimes is, like, really, really close to the skin. <laughs> like, because everything around us feels and so tummy, but we really can carry that with us. And back to what you said before, it's, it's a great, um, a great th- to try to look at somebody and, and give them Kadusha for what <coughs> they're doing or, or at least recognize there's Kadusha there. Trying to, sometimes you really have to stretch yourself, right. you know? So this there. is like such an easy one to put, to lock on because it's tangible. I mean, I don't have to look at the person and like think, okay, so what could I see good in them? Like the second I realize, you know what? She's wearing a tichel. Maybe her hair isn't really covered, but she's wearing something to show that she's a Jewish person, that she's following God's law. Then I don't. It's like then I can already have a starting point. That's like seeing something where there is kedusha there and recognizing it. But I think also in ourselves, just the idea that we could carry that bubble with us is very exciting. That we can we can move throughout the world in in a way in a bubble, not not a bubble that's opaque, but in a bubble that that carries kedusha with it even in the darkest places, um, which I suppose is a good topic for us Arabateves, which is like the darkest place, right? I think today is the shortest number of daylight hours, like of yeah, sun hours yes, in the year. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which makes it a fast that's easy to overlook. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Last night was the Last night was the longest night, yeah. Okay. So one of the issues here that we want to explore a little bit is um, that there's something noticeably different about these two brachos, the last bracha that we learned and this bracha that makes them different from the other brachos we saw so far, which is that up until now, all the brachos were fairly universal. And here we have Ozer Yisrael Bigvura, that Hashem belts or girds us with strength, and Oter Yisrael B'Sifara, and he crowns us with beauty and glory. And both of those are specific to Yisrael, to Jews. Now, non-Jews also wear hats, and non-Jews also wear belts. I mean, sometimes, right? So what is it specific to Yisrael? Um, And and I'll tell you now, like, I've seen a lot of different explanations on this. I hope maybe maybe when we're learning about it, it'll come together more. I didn't feel like I totally, totally got like the one answer that was really super, super satisfying. So it might leave room for some exploration still. Um, it could be it'll, it'll clarify a little better as we get to the next two brachos, because you'll see the next two brachos also have like different interesting qualities that are specific to the Jewish people. So the, the last bracha, of course, ends with Hagomel chasadim tovim la'amo Yisrael. So that's also for the Jewish people. And Hanosin li'ayv koach also has like a special relationship for Jewish people. But it's, even though it's not explicit to it. I mean, it is explicit to it, but you don't see it directly in the words immediately. Okay, so one of these ideas that I saw, this is from the Chidushe Harim, which is the, one of the early Gera Rebbe's, earlier Gera Rebbe's. Why do we say every day these two brachos that are specific to Jewish people? Uh, we, we're not just learning something that's universal. Somehow we're saying there's something unique about this. And he says it's because these are referring to areas that are, that are Jewish qualities. Not that they can't appear elsewhere, but that we would say this is something that is almost defines, like if you see this quality, you start thinking that you see somebody Jewish. Tzniyas, Busha, Yira, 
I mean, the ability to feel shame for our actions, that there's a God who says there's right and wrong and that we're going to face him. Um, Yira, that we have a sense of walking around with the presence of God over us and that that affects our actions. These are sort of tied in with the Baishanim, Rahmanim, Baishanim, and Gomli Chasadim. The Jewish people are, are specifically known for having these qualities, Rahmanus, shame, and uh, doing chesed, right? When you see those three qualities, you say this person has the genetic material of an Avraham Avinu flowing in his blood. But furthermore, he makes an interesting point, which is that these are areas where we need Hashem to help us. These, these are not areas where we can achieve it on our own. To Ozer Yisrael Bigvura, to be, to be able to conquer our Yetzirah is kind of left up to us, and yet we still can't do it on our own. So it's our job, and yet we still have to get Hashem to ultimately step in at the last moment and help us. And Oter Yisrael Besifara, the idea of being crowned, of having Yerushamayim, of, that's really left up to us. Hakobi Deshamayim Chutzmi Yerushamayim. And yet, we kind of have to ask God to step in and do it for us in the end. Or we have, maybe that's not describing it right. We have to plug away at it. And finally, then the last step, we'll feel that he helped us push us over the edge to make it possible. Maybe that's more accurate. Not so much that we're asking him, but it's accurate. So Ozer Yisrael Bigvura can be read two ways. And Ozer Yisrael Basifara. One is that he gives us Gvura with which we become strong and more powerful. And that he gives us Tifara with which we crown ourselves, right? By choosing Hirashamayim, by choosing to be Kovesh the Yetzer, to conquer Yitzhara. But the other is that he actually places it on us. He belts us with Gvura. He crowns us with tifara, and that in this way, like we're we're recognizing that it's it's our job, and we're still grateful to him for it. Not just that grateful that it's our job. We're grateful that it's our job. That's the topic we talked about more in the beginning parts of brachos. All these things are opportunities to fix what went wrong in Gan Eden, right? That we're grateful for it, but also that we recognize that even the strength to do that needed a boost. <laughs> You know, if you've ever had to, like, really, really, really restrain yourself from something and you were able to do it, you look back and you say, how was I able to do that? And he says, Hashem will kill the Sahara before the tzaddikim in the next world, and the tzaddikim will look and they'll say, how did we ever climb that mountain? And the Rosham will say, why weren't we able to do it? It was so easy. It's sort of like, the, the, on the one hand, the job is just to keep with it, and on the other hand, when you look at it, you're like, how did I do that? I, I wasn't able to do that. I don't know if I could do it again. It's like positive um, reinforcement a little bit. Like you're saying, you're, when you say the bracha, you're like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, It could be. I don't think that's the nature of a bracha, but it could be it has that effect. That you're calling your attention to it. Right. Could be it has that effect. I do think it, it you could connect it more to, to that idud that Rabbi Goldberg talked about last year, right? Where it's something that's odd. Meaning once you see that something's there, then coaxing out more and more of it. That you can see with a bracha. That's the nature, in a sense, of a bracha, is recognizing what Hashem has given us, and by that means, opening the channel of its coming even more. Like, there is, there is something to be said for that. The, the way the Rabbeinu Bachya describes brachos in Be'ochalto, Ve'savato, Ve'rachta, is a, there is like a feedback loop. It's like this feedback loop that keeps on increasing itself. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm not gonna, this is also an interesting topic, but it's a little bit, uh, the, the gist of it is, this is from Ravnis and Mandel, the, the gist of it being that why is it the head covering that we're talking about Oterius or Albusifara? So one is because like a crown, that's like on the head, um, but that a head covering is also the place, meaning it, we're covering where our mind is. And so this, a recognition of the importance of the mind, and that that is, in a sense, our most powerful quality. As human beings, the mind, the seichel, which is the main tool for being able to control that which is physical, to control the physical desires and the emotional desires, which are even more powerful than the physical desires and the emotional desires, the power to control that is all with the brain, 
and the mind. And that then has to be even more powerful. By covering it, we recognize that there's something even greater than that. And that, I mean, if you've ever met someone who's really brilliant and knows it, it's not always so easy. Not always so easy for somebody who is aware of the power of their mind to accept that somebody could know more than them. And the truth is, every one of us needs to have this awareness. We just, a lot of us aren't so aware of how powerful our mind could be because we don't know how to use it properly. So we all really need to know that the mind is at the top for a reason. It's supposed to control that which is below it. And at the same time to know that there's somebody higher than that. There's somebody who knows more than us. There's somebody we listen to that's part of the Yerushalayim. Okay. Another interesting factor on this, this pair of brachos, Ozer Yisrael B'Gvura, Ozer Yisrael B'Sifara, is in the Siddur, it's not so customary that women say this, but at the beginning of the section of the Avoda, La'olam yehei adam yari shamayim b'seser uvegaloi. A person should always be a yare shamayim in secret and in public. Umoda al ha'emes and admit to what is true and speak truth in his heart. Which, if you stop and think about that for a second, is a kind of funny comment. Why would I think, to, meaning you should be a yare shamayim privately? For sure. Like, why not, right? And Sharei Yerei Shemayim externally. Be an example for people. Be an example for people. It's kind of an interesting statement, right? I don't know, maybe sometimes people are afraid to show that they have Yerei Shemayim because it will look like, I don't know, preachy? I don't, I'm not really sure or exactly arrogant. the whole, or arrogant, right? Even though it should look like the opposite, ideally. I guess it depends what your Shemaim really is also. Um, or what your motive is. Or your motive. So these are tied to these two brachos. The Yerushalayim B'Seser, the secret internal Yerushalayim, that's Ozer Yisrael B'Gvura. That's being belted with might and power. That the, the self-restraint, that's, that's personal. It's personal, it's against the skin so to speak, right? It's the conquering of the Yetzer, of the personal conflict, the personal struggle. Um, that's Lo'olamihei Adam Yerushamayim B'Seser. The Yerushamayim B'Gilui, public, out in the open, where everyone can see your Yerushamayim, that's your head covering. It's an interesting, it's an interesting revelation to see that those two brachos are in a way telling you about something that's that is specifically Jewish, that is specific to your Jewish nature, that, that intimacy with God, the kind of really close, I'm part of the family, that it should show privately and it should show publicly, but it might not be expressed the same way. That not everything that goes on inside of yourself has to be out there for everyone to know about. Sometimes there's things you have to keep to yourself. They might be great achievements. You might you know, be excited about them but they still might be personal. Maybe their place to talk about them is to Hashem or to yourself in a journal or to someone who's very, very close to you, right? But not out in the open. Those battles, I don't think we would know about what Yosef went through if it wasn't in the Chumash. It's difficult to believe he was talking about that to other people, <laughs> right? Oh, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Some things are private. The battle against the Yetzer is private. But there's such a thing as your Shemaim that's on the outside as well, which is a recognition that I, there's a humility. That humility is expressed in public. And the strength and the pride is expressed privately. It's an interesting duality, and they're both facets of your Shemaim. Okay. Now there's another aspect of the crown. And this starts to get into much deeper waters, which becomes, anytime you see like Keter and Atara, you start thinking, oh, it's going to be like the spooky stuff because it's always like about the future. It's always about like multiples of hundreds and tens. It's always, there's something about the Keter and Atara, which are two different words for crown. 
that regularly refer to con to expressing or illuminating Hashem's glory in the world, his malchus, his kingdom, his crown, right? That Hashem is the melech. And that that is a bottom-up process, at least in terms of keter or atara. When we talk about, well, we don't, I don't personally talk about this really, but when you come across keter and atara, then what you tend to be coming across is a way in which from below there is an expression, keser yisnu lecha, a crown will be given to you. It's somehow an expression from down below through which we illuminate that God is the melech. Okay. It's interesting because then it's not like where's the crown held? There's some expressions talking about like in the future days that Hashem holds the crown in his hand, right? And the crown is on our head. It's like an interesting, it's not clear exactly. All right. You know, the crown doesn't make the king. If you think about it, the king is the king without the crown too. And yet the crown shows who's the king. There's a role in, of the Jewish people in crowning Hashem. That's more of a Rosh Hashanah kind of conversation, right? The hamlacha, like how could you crown Hashem? Hashem is the king, right? So if you think of it, a crown doesn't make the king be the king, and, but the crown does demonstrate that he's the king. So this is a bottom up, like from the ground up, from people upward expression that demonstrates Hashem's kingship. And this is an element that seems to be tied to that idea of the drawing of the Shekhinah closer to us, a sort of magnetic pull that the Shekhinah is fitted to be there. That when we're demonstrating that Hashem is the king, when we put something on our head that says to the public, to the world around us, and to ourselves, there is someone over me. That's Oterius or Elbasifara. We're crowned with his glory in a sense. It's an interesting, it's like a deeper level to it. The crown on our heads is also associated in many places. I saw it in, in Yalkut Shimoni Anach, but quite a few, a few different places like that. The crown is the crown of Torah. It's our learning, when we learn Torah and when we follow the words of Torah, and when our lives become an expression of Torah and our thoughts become thoughts of Torah, that this crowns us. This is somehow this crown that connects us closer to Hashem and also shines with glory. And so, for example, just to bring something we're maybe more familiar with, on the Seder night, many people have a custom that the harachaman for Pesach is extended, right? So instead of just saying harachaman yuzakenu liyom shekulotov, which is what we always say on a yantif, that we add, right? Have you ever seen this? Liyom shekulo aroch. It should be a day, maybe we merit, a day that is all good, a day that is all long. The day that the tzaddikim are sitting with their crowns on their heads, and enjoying the glow of the shechina. So what does that mean? I don't know. It's difficult to conceptualize what that's really talking about, which is fine. You don't need to understand exactly what it's talking about. But again, here, this connection to tzaddikim is a connection to Torah, it seems to be. It's specifically the learning of Torah that creates this aspect of crown. Rambam says, and that they're sitting with their crowns on their heads, means the knowledge that they have learned. The Torah knowledge that's in your head, right, that, that you learned, that this is what the tzaddikim in the future merit their olam haba. That is the crown, it's the crown of knowledge. That's the Rambam. It's like also kind of... Um, we talk about like the burning yes, you know, saying like, okay, I could read this, then maybe there's nothing really wrong with it, whatever this thing is, right? Maybe there's nothing really wrong with it. You know, it doesn't have to be a trashy novel, it could be, I don't know, consumer reports, like, there'd be absolutely nothing wrong with this. Yeah, detective novel that's clean, right? Like there's a lot of things. But I have these minutes. Is there a choice here? Now, I'm not saying that the choice is, oh, I'll pick up a chumash. Because even if you might go home inspired today and say, ah, okay, I'll pick up a chumash or I'll pick up a, a Jewish book, right? 
maybe that's not sustainable where you're holding. It depends exactly where you are, and that changes. Even where any one of us is changes over time. Hopefully the general trend is up, but it's like watching the guy with a yo-yo go up the stairs, and we're the yo-yo, <laughs> right? So we're going up and down and up and down, but we hope that the general trend is we're going up the stairs, so even the ups and downs work their way up, right? But maybe it's that instead of reading something that's not so clean, I'll read something that is cleaner. Or maybe instead of reading something that's clean, but just like kind of nonsense, I'll read something that's clean that makes me think. Or maybe I'll read something that's factual so that I know something more about the, you know, like I think at each step, like I don't know what art, what your choices are, your choices are, my, but I know that asking myself the question when I pick it up, wait a minute, what's the choice, is a very, very powerful question. There is some kind of choice. And that what's filled in our head becomes our crown is a kind of exciting reason to make a choice. It's a kind of exciting reason, right? Like we're not accustomed to seeing what's in the contents of inside the head shining out. It sounds like at some point they do. That, that is a more interesting thing. Okay. <coughs> Could be that's why Shlomo HaMelech had described his mother made him a crown. It was the wisest of all people. I sort of want to try and finish this bracha today, so I hope you'll forgive me. I'm going to skip. There are the, the Tiferes, you know, which is tied to Yaakov, right? Yaakov is always associated with Tiferes and Emes, as that you have the Rachamim or the Chesed and the Din or the Gvura, and then you get to Yaakov and you have Tiferes. The, these are all associated. Tiferes, Torah, right? Yaakov is Yoshev Ohalim. The Tiferes, the Torah, the Emes, all these things are tied together. So I don't, I, I think we're not going to go too far into that just because it gets to be too much. Um, for what we can accomplish. But there is a, a shine, a crown that is shlemos, meaning a crown also has a circular aspect to it. The circular is always associated with the future because it's in one way stays always in the same place, but another way it goes on eternally, because no matter how far you go, you don't get to the end of it. And that shlemos comes from a harmony of pulling different things together. So just like in a crown, there's all these different sides, and that they're all united into one place, the crown that we create in the world, within our own mind, is coming from all the different parts of us being united together in the Yerushalayim, in the learning of Torah. There's no piece of us that we say, oh, this is something bad about me, so it doesn't deserve... No, if I was created with a certain quality, then maybe I'm, I've been managing to express it as a bad part of me, but there must be a positive side of it too. Something that I'm going to draw in that becomes part of this keter that I'm building within myself to shine on Hashem's malchus. And that, that goes together with that idea. There's someone over me. There's some kind of control that I have and that someone else has over me. And also that it's, that it's global. That like there's all these people and everyone has something to contribute. And they're just like there's no peace within me that I really am supposed to reject out of hand and say, you don't have a part in this. Here's something we have to try and get rid of. It's not true inside of us. When we see bad qualities, it just means there's a good quality waiting to be revealed. Not a different one, the same one, right? The same thing that makes you always run late is the same thing that makes you a more relaxed person or someone who stops and notices that, that people need help and the same quality that makes you... You know, stubborn is the same quality that makes you stubbornly make sure that you get up early on time and don't just stay in bed. Like, it's the same qualities always have a flip side to them. And that's true in other people, too. And when we see other people, we're not really trying to excise them. I mean, that's, that's like the real topic on the Parsha side, right? The Vayesha, Vayishlach, Miketz, Vayigash, Vayechi, the whole story of Yosef. And how do we relate? to somebody that it looks like we need to really get rid of them, like they absolutely don't have a place here, then what? And part of the message here of the crown is we need it all. We need to try and recruit it all and make it all part of the hamlacha. Okay. This is um, another pairing of the Ozer Yisrael, the belt and the head covering is that the belt, this is based on 
on Rav Schwab again. The belt we talked about in terms of separation. It creates a divider. It divides the top half from the bottom half of the body, right? That the eye shouldn't see the erva. There's this idea of the animal and the more elevated part of the body being separated, that that's the belt. A head covering is also a separation. So we talked about it more as a crown, so something that connects us and elevates us to God. It does that also by separating us from God. <coughs> sort of like where this ends and this continues. There is an awareness that there is a separation. There is a divider. And that is expressed. That The, the visual for that in Torah consistently is something over the head. Something over the head means two things simultaneously. It means it is separating us from God, and it means that it is attaching us to God at the same time. So what, is, what does that mean? How does it work? Meaning it's a, sorry? Like you're not trying to be God. Yeah, definitely. So there's a, humili yeah. a humility there, right? That I'm below God. Okay, I want to I want to share with you something. This is I can't believe I didn't put it on here. Okay, I'm sorry. Even when I did get the source sheet, I didn't get it on. All right, this is in well, it's in Shmos, but it's not Parsha Shmos. Okay. Moshe says to Hashem, "This is Kisisa. I don't understand what you're doing." Essentially, please, please, God, Moshe says, I want to understand your ways. I want to know you better. Right? As Mr. Rogers said, when you love someone, you want to know them really, really well. That's, he says, I want to know you. When, this is where we say Moshe was the first person to say, how come sometimes Tzadik Viralo Rasha Vitovo? Why does it seem sometimes like Tzadikim have it harder and Rashaim have it easier in this world? That was something, it's not really anything we can understand, how things play out in the world. I want to know. And Hashem says, you can't know me, right? I, well, first Hashem says, yes, you have found favor in my eyes, and I will make myself known to you. And Moshe says, Show me your glory. And Hashem says, I will pass all of my goodness before you. I will call out the names of Hashem before you. I will give chen where I can give chen. I will give rachmanus where I can give rachmanus. But you're not going to see who I really am. You're not going to truly understand me. A person cannot see me and live. Meaning, if you're alive in this world, you're not going to understand how this world works. You are within this world, and therefore you are not able to understand it fully. Hashem says, here is a place near me. You stand within this rock or on this rock. And it shall be when my glory passes by you. This is the source of the names of Hashem that we say, right? The Yud Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Elul, Hashem, Hashem, Keo Rachum, V'chanun, Erech Okay, Hashem, this is what Hashem taught him. But this, what I'm reading to you is the description just before he actually revealed those names. When my glory passes you, I shall place you sheltered in the rock, and I will, is like the word sukkah, even though it's with a sin, but they seem to be, I will, protect you. I will put a layer to shelter you. I will shelter you with my hand on you. And when I remove my hand from over your head, you'll see me from after the fact. Which is the, only, the best way that we're able to understand what happens in the world is only by looking back. Right? When he's, to hindsight. In hindsight it's possible. Wiser people can see with closer hindsight. Sometimes you need a thousand years to understand what happened, or two thousand. Ufunai lo yero. But from up front, you won't be able to see it in advance. Okay, so the Sforno explains what is this concept, what, what is Hashem saying 
or at least something that we can understand. I think we'll never, <laughs> never really understand this whole passage. But there must be something that we can take from this passage about Hashem saying, I'm going to, as my glory passes you, I'll cover you with my hand and then remove my hand. This is the message. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, how can we reconcile your glory? In other words, how can it be that everything in the world is created by you and is really an expression of your will, considering what a tremendous distance there is between us and you? How, how can you say like that, that the world is completely filled. Everything in the world is an expression of God's kavod. Everything? Even when I mess up? Like everything, even that nasty person? Everything, even the crummy stuff that happens? There's a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't look fair, that doesn't, that looks cruel, right? So how do, how do I understand if everything and everyone is really an expression of your will into the world. And Hashem says, I will pass all of my good before you. I'm not holding back from you any good. However, you will not be able to see all the good. So what stops us from being able to see how things really are? So here Hashem says, I will call out my name in order to inform and to teach you the reality of Hashem and his good ways in the world. We can't see it as united. That's what Hashem is telling Moshe. That's why he tells him, Hashem, Hashem, Kale, Rachel, Mechanon. We see so many different things in the world. We don't see it all as kol tuvi, all good from Hashem. He says, I'll pass it before you in such a way that if your eyes could comprehend adequately, you would see all that you are asking to see. It would be, I am revealing to you everything you're asking, but you would only be able to see it if your eyes were capable of seeing it. And with this, I will be able to teach you something about the goodness of my way. I just want to stop here. What the Sforno is teaching is that one of the messages that Hashem taught Moshe was that actually I don't hide my goodness from you, per se. Not because, I don't, not I don't hide, I don't withhold the goodness from you, but you are not able to see it. That is part of understanding Hashem's goodness, is being able to see that even though it was fully revealed to Moshe, Somehow he couldn't see it anyway, even if you were capable. He says, I will give you with tremendous shefa and with no tsaris ayin. I'm not going to hold anything back from you, Hashem says to Moshe. And I will have rachmanos that even though you're going to see more of the glory of God than you should see, you won't die. And this is expressed by, I will shelter you with my hand over you. This image of, now, God doesn't have a hand as we know it. We're not talking about physical hand. The image of a hand covering the head is doing two, a few things over here. One is it's dividing so that Moshe will not see, right? It's, it's blocking him from being able to see. At the same time, by blocking Moshe from being able to see, What's happening is that Hashem can reveal more glory without him dying. More is being revealed through the fact that more is being hidden. This is a consistent message of the, of the head covering. More can be revealed because more is hidden. Furthermore, his soul really should fly out of his body. And the image of God's hand holding his soul there. He's holding, this is an aspect of Hashem's Rahmanus that the hand, his hand, so to speak, meaning his interaction, his influence, manipulating the world, that's what hands always refer to, symbolize, is essentially holding his soul in his body. And what you will not see is not because I am withholding it from you, because I am holding back my hashpa'a of bracha and tov and good into the world, but it's your lack in being able to receive it. You don't have the ability to receive all the light. So the only way I can show it all to you is by protecting it. That is an image. 
whatever that image is, right? That we could take into the message of a head covering, which maybe it's easier if we start by seeing it on other people, on ourselves. It, it is a very powerful image of God's kindness to us. That covering our head, our Yerushalayim, our anava, our humility, our saying there's somebody greater than us, that for all that I make an effort to comprehend as much as I can comprehend and use my mind and, and use it to control myself and express and learn, in the end there's going to be something over and above that, but that is the greatest chesed of all. That is the chesed of really being alive in this world. The chesed of being alive in this world is being willing to live in a place that's dark, being willing to live in a place where I can't see really what's going on, being willing to live in a place where I don't exactly understand everything that's happening, in order that I can draw very close to God through that. And then there is a time in the next world where we say, Harachaman, may we merit to live in a time when the crown is on the head. When you can see all of that that was inside can now be like let loose, right? And the tzaddikim can enjoy the Shekhinah and all their Torah can shine forth from them. But this is like, it's temporary. The dark is temporary. And <coughs> being in the dark allows us to get a lot closer than we would be able to otherwise. It's also a little bit something, the Gemara hints to it, right? In saying that um, when a husband and wife are intimate, it should be dark. Why? The Torah is protecting you. It's saying, I don't want you to see something that will push you away. You can come closer if you're not seeing sometimes. There's a kind of like being in this world that allows us to get very, very close to Hashem in a way we wouldn't be able to. Otherwise, because we're stark. And then, when the lights are on, then there we are, and we can see the full beauty. And we've come closer than we would have been otherwise from before. There's a movement. A person, a person who has the opportunity for the neshama to be born and then return to the next world is not in the same place they were before they were born. There's somewhere higher that you could get to. It's a chesed, right? Okay, I think we'll, we'll stop here. Um, I'm going to stop here also. I was going to sum up some of the messages, but we'll stop to sum them up yourself by listening to the recording. And we'll move on in Hashem next week to a new bracha. Um, yeah, we'll leave that. Asara Bateves for a different year. Thank you. I brought Asara Bateves notes just in case. <coughs> it's like one of the, you know, talk about the darkest day of the year and the least known and darkness and covering and all of that. Asar Batavis is like... And it rained. And it rained. Asar Batavis is one of the least known fasts of all. Sorry? You did not want to get out of bed. You didn't want to get out of bed, but you did. My husband was so nice. He brought coffee to me, like, whatever time before the fast. Oh, that is nice. He brought me water. I'm like, I cannot even open my eyes. I can't. Well, especially when you try and get up extra early, right?